Hey everyone, welcome again to the podcast from Mount Hope's Belmont location in Belmont, Massachusetts. My name is Brian, I pastor that location, and it's good to talk to you again. You know, I think one of the reasons some people choose not to follow Jesus is because they look at the church as a place that tells some people they're in and some people that they are out. And the question that we're going to look at today is whether or not that's how Jesus did his work. Was Jesus someone that just walked around and told some people they were in and other people that they were out? Or was he something different altogether? We're going to answer that question by looking at the story of one woman who Jesus meets along his way. So I hope you listen closely, and I hope you'll enjoy this, because I believe that God has something he would like to say to you. When is the last time that you walked into a room or you found yourself in a situation, and you looked around, and you knew immediately that you didn't belong. Has that ever happened to you? It's happened to me. When is the last time you walked into a situation, and you saw it, and you saw the other people, and you knew immediately that you were the outsider, that you were the one that didn't belong? In fact, we have a phrase for times like this in our lives, right? We say that we feel like a fish out of water, We feel like a fish out of water. You walk into somewhere, you find yourself in a situation, and you know that you are the one that doesn't belong. It happens to all of us. I moved to this part of the country about 16 years ago now, and now I call it home. I married someone that's from here, so I feel like I get some street credibility there, right? Uh, And so, but, but when I first moved to this part of the country, there was one big thing when I moved to the Boston area, one big thing that every time it happened, I felt like a complete outsider. And it wasn't when I talked to people and they had a certain kind of accent. And it wasn't even that, you know, sometimes New England gets this, this, uh, this unfair stereotype that people just aren't that friendly. And it wasn't even that people weren't friendly. I actually thought that people were much friendlier than I had been told they would be. The time that I felt like an outsider, that I knew I was a fish out of water, was every single time I walked up to my 1998 white Pontiac Bonneville with the Nebraska license plates and got in that car and sat down behind the wheel and tried to drive. The second I started to drive in this part of the country, I knew that I was in the wrong place and I was the outsider. And the great thing about this part of the country is if you're behind the wheel and you are the outsider and everybody knows it, everyone's going to tell you about it too in some way. I come from the land of grids, where people put things in squares and blocks, and if you missed a turn, you could just turn around the block, and you would come back, and you would be right where you started. And I moved to the North Shore, to places like Beverly and Wenham and Ipswich and that whole area, where at some point, they said to each other, hey, we need a road from Beverly to Salem. And they said, should we think about it? And they said, nah, let's not think about it. Just snake it through there. Just take whatever horse trail we have and put some pavement down, and then you got a road. And someone said, well, maybe later in life we'll build more houses and we'll have more businesses and maybe we should plan. And they said, don't plan for any of that. Just build the road and snake it through there. And so I remember being here, and it was pre-GPS. I didn't even have a cell phone at that time. And so I would print MapQuest directions. Does anyone remember that? And I would try to find, follow these roads, and I would inevitably miss turns. I mean, roads change names three or four four times just as you're driving on them for some reason around here. And I remember saying to myself, well, I'll just go around the block. And so I went to the next turn and I took a left. And I remember one time being an hour down the road, not knowing where I was and seeing signs that said things like, welcome to New Hampshire. (laughs) 
My roommate in seminary was from Georgia. He drove a little uh, Toyota Corolla with Georgia license plates, that big peach there right in the center. And we were in Boston one time, and we were lost, of course, because we weren't supposed to be driving in Boston. And we were lost in Boston. There was a police officer directing traffic. And so, and so we said, well, maybe we can ask the police officer for directions. So we pulled up to the police officer, and you know, us stopping for the police officer caused a car behind us to have to stop. And we said to the police officer, you know, officer, can you give us directions to where we're going? And he said, sure, no problem. And while he's talking to us, the guy behind us blares his horn, sticks his head out of the window and says, guys, Georgia is 2,000 miles that way. (laughs) Fish out of water. When's the last time you knew you didn't belong? When is the last time you knew that you were the outsider? It happens to all of us, right? This morning, we're going to talk about a woman who meets Jesus. And the one thing this woman knows about herself is that she is an outsider. She's not someone who belongs. She especially doesn't belong. She's not, especially not the kind of person who would be talking to a rabbi or a teacher like Jesus. And this woman and Jesus have an interaction that is highly significant. And so we're going to look at that for the next couple of minutes this morning. We're going to ask ourselves what it teaches you and I about who Jesus is and what this message that he brought is all about. So if you're in John chapter 4, we're going to start in verse 3, and we're going to read, um, read for a little bit here, but the words will be up on the screen. This is what it says. Jesus left Judea and departed again for Galilee, and he had to pass through Samaria So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew... Ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria, for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw water with and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go. Call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me. The hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You, will worship, you worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, 
for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Just then his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, what do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, come, see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? Now I know that's a long story and there's a lot going on there. So what is it really that's happening here? Well, something pretty significant happens in this interaction between Jesus and this woman. See, Jesus is headed from Jerusalem, from the area of Judea. Remember, if you were with us last week, we talked about how Jesus was in Jerusalem because the Passover feast was happening. So any good Jewish person from the region, they would have gone to Jerusalem for the big celebration. Now Jesus is leaving the Passover celebration, and he is going to a place called Galilee. In order to get there, the text tells us, he has to pass through a region called Samaria. I don't believe that the two stories that are back-to-back here in the Gospel of John are there by accident. You have, if you remember, if you were with us last week, the story of Nicodemus. And if we were going to create some sort of continuum, if we were going to draw a line, and we were on one end of the line going to label it religious insiders, and on the other end of the line we're going to relabel it religious outsiders, Nicodemus is in every sense of the word a religious insider. If you remember, we talked about Nicodemus. Nicodemus comes to Jesus and he comes to him at night. Nicodemus is a teacher of the law. He's a Pharisee. He is by birth in the right uh, cultural heritage. He is a Jew. And in every sense of the word, uh, Nicodemus is, is an insider in his culture and in his community. The woman that we see here in this story If we were to put her on this continuum and on this line, she would be somewhere over here. I'm not even sure where to put her on this line because she's not just a religious outsider. She is so far beyond that. And she's an outsider for at least three reasons. And all of them we see in this story. The first reason that this woman that Jesus meets is a huge outsider is because, quite simply, she's the wrong gender. I know that doesn't sit well in our culture, and nor should it sit well in our culture, but back in this time period, for a a man in public to be speaking to a woman was a giant faux pas. In fact, it was even more than a faux pas. It was, it was against many of the Jewish writings for a Jewish rabbi to be publicly speaking with a woman. In fact, most Jewish rabbis would not even speak to their own wife in public. And so here is Jesus sitting beside this well, and he sees the woman coming. 
I read this week uh, an author and theologian, Kenneth Bailey, he writes that it would have been culturally appropriate for Jesus, when he saw the woman approaching the well, to stand up and move at least 20 feet away from the well. That would signify to the woman that she was safe to approach the well. What would have been highly unusual and culturally inappropriate would be for Jesus to just sit there as she approaches. What would have been even crazier is if Jesus actually engaged her and spoke. In fact, at the very end of this story, when the disciples come back from town from getting food, we read this. Just then his disciples came back and they marveled. They were shocked that he was talking with a woman. This isn't the main point of this lesson, the main point of this story. But if you were to take Jesus' ministry and look through it, one of the things he does is he takes all the cultural things that exist around gender and he elevates the status of women around him. Jesus does that time and time again and he does it here, right at the well. But this woman knows this is unusual. She asks him, if you remember in the story, she asks him, why are you, a Jew, speaking with me, a woman? Why are you talking to me? Because she knows in this situation she's an outsider. But it's not just the gender. It's not just her gender that makes her an outsider. She's also an outsider because of her ethnicity. Ethnically, she's an outsider. Quick history lesson, and stick with me for just a moment. Israel, uh, hundreds of years before Jesus came, had a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom. Each kingdom was taken over by different empires at different times. In about 700 BC, the northern kingdom, which included Samaria, was taken over by the Assyrians. And you know what happened when the Assyrians took over Samaria? Is that all of these Samaritans who were, who were full-blooded Jewish people began to intermarry with the Assyrians, and they began to take on different aspects of Assyrian religion into their own lives. And so what they ended up with was they ended up with, with children who were part Jewish and part Assyrian, and then they also ended up with a religion which was part Jewish and part Assyrian. Now the southern kingdom, which includes the city of Jerusalem, when that was taken over a little over 100 years later by the Babylonians, the Jewish people in and around Jerusalem did not intermarry with the Babylonians, nor did they take on their religion. So when the dust settled and the northern kingdom was no longer under an empire and the southern kingdom was no longer under an empire, the Jews in the southern kingdom the full-blooded Jewish people looked at the Samaritans with great disdain. They were, for lack of a better term, half-breeds who had disgraced their own culture and heritage and religion. There was a dislike from the Jews to the Samaritans that might be difficult for us to understand in our own culture, but everyone knew it in their day. And so the woman asked this question. The Samaritan woman said to Jesus, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaritan? Why? Why? For Jews, John tells us, have no dealings with Samaritans. 
And more than one commentator that I read this week said that that Greek verb, have no dealings with, could easily be translated to say Jews would never share a water vessel. Jews would never share a dish. Jews would never share a water bucket with a Samaritan. And here Jesus sits and he says to this Samaritan woman, would you draw me water with your own bucket? The woman is a complete outsider because of her gender. She's a complete outsider because of her ethnicity. But there's another reason why she's a complete outsider. And that is her morality. It's the sixth hour of the day, John tells us. That means it's about noon. The sun is beating down. Most people, most women would come and get the water for the day early in the morning when it's cool And they would chat around the well, and there would be community there, and everyone would be drawing water. This woman, for some reason, comes alone late in the day. Jesus, I think, gives us an insight into that when he talks about her personal life. We read this in the story, Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. And then they started talking, and the woman answered him, I have no husband. Remember Jesus said to her, go and get your husband and come here. She said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right in saying, I have no husband. And this is where it gets very daytime talk show-ish with Jesus and the Samaritan woman, right? Big reveal. For you have five husbands, and here they are. No. For you have five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. Listen, I, I'm, not, I'm not judging anyone here, but five husbands is a, is a lot. That's a lot today. It's Elizabeth Taylor territory, right? It's a lot today. 2,000 years ago, I don't even know if that was heard of. And now she's living with another man who's not her husband, also something that would have not been looked at well. So you can see why this woman might not come to the well when everyone else was around. The conversation stops, people stare, they snicker, they talk. So it was just easier to come in the middle of the day with the sun beating down on her when no one was there. This woman knew she was the outsider. No one had to tell her. No one had to come to her and say, you know, all of us belong and you don't. She knew it. She knew everything about her, herself, and she knew that she was the outsider. You know what's amazing to me about this story? When I look at the religious insider Nicodemus and I look at the religious outsider, the Samaritan woman, Jesus here is saying something profound about the message that he is bringing. Because when he's in Jerusalem at the Passover, he sits back at night and he waits for the religious insider Nicodemus to come to him. But Jesus goes to the woman at the well. Jesus doesn't wait around and wait for her to come and find him because he knows. 
He knows that she doesn't have enough clout. She's not the right person, that she would never in a million years ever approach a Jewish rabbi and begin to speak to him. So Jesus, in demonstrating something radical about the message that he was bringing, goes to her and says to her, I know you're the outsider. You're the wrong gender. You're the wrong ethnicity. Morally, you've got some work to do. But my love, my gospel, the truth that I am bringing is for you. It's not just for Nicodemus. It's not just for the insider who looks like he has his act together and everything is going well in his life. This message of love that I am bringing, this message that I have, it is for you. See, because at the end of the day, this is what Jesus was telling us. All of us, all of us have the exact same need and we all have the exact same opportunity. You and me, we all have the exact same need and we all have the exact same opportunity. Nicodemus, And the Samaritan woman, even though culturally they could not have been any different, at the very base of it, each had the exact same need. I don't know if yesterday you caught any of the the wedding. Wedding was a big deal yesterday. Megan and Harry were wed. There's a very clear distinction, isn't there, when it comes to royalty. There is the royal family that is there up front with all the pomp and circumstance. There is uh, the the individuals who are invited to be a part of the party. I think there were 600 people I heard that were invited into the church. They were mostly celebrities. They were people that had a name. They were people that were associated with the royal family. So they had some sort of standing to be there. And then there were the people out in the streets, 100,000 of them waiting for the royal couple But they're not anywhere near as important as the royal family. And so there's all this pomp and circumstance and everything surrounding it. Don't forget our nation was founded because we looked at that and we were like, yeah, right? Just kidding. So uh, there's all this pomp and circumstance. But what Jesus would say to us is that the need of the prince and the princess And the need of the homeless vagrant standing behind the crowd in the parade in the alley is the exact same. What Jesus would say to us is that in the kingdom of God, without Christ, Jeff Bezos, Warren Buffett, Bill Gates are bankrupt. And at the very base level, the need that they have is the same need that you have. All of us have the same need. 
And that is we are sinners who have disobeyed God, who have broken a relationship between us and God, and we are destined for an eternity apart from him, and we have a need to be saved. It doesn't matter how much money you make. It doesn't matter how much you accomplish. It doesn't matter if you're a prince or a princess or you're homeless. It doesn't matter if you are the insider culturally or you are the outsider culturally. Our need is exactly the same. And so Jesus goes to the woman He doesn't wait for her to come to him because she never would have. And some of you are sitting here this morning and you feel like you're in that exact same place where you know religiously and morally that you are the outsider, that you spent your entire life feeling like you're the wrong person, the person who sits outside of everything and everybody else around you seems to have it all together and they're the ones that God would actually love. They're the ones who God would actually go to. I want you to know this morning And Jesus is not waiting for you to come to him. He has already come to you. The question is whether or not you will trust him. You see, this woman had the same need that Nicodemus had, and Jesus offers her the exact same opportunity. But Jesus does it in a very different way. To Nicodemus, he said, Nicodemus, you must be born again. Do you remember that? That's the phrase. Nicodemus. Because Nicodemus' trust and his hope was in his birthright and who he was as a Jew and a Pharisee and a teacher and a ruler and a leader of the Sanhedrin. And so Jesus says, you know how you're trusting your birth?" to bring you something in God's kingdom? Nicodemus, you must be born again. Jesus does not come to the woman and say, you must be born again. She would say, please, don't make me be born again. This went really wrong the first time. Instead, Jesus comes to her and he says, listen, what I have for you. I have living water that if you drink of it, you will never thirst again. It's the same opportunity the exact same opportunity to trust in Jesus Christ and receive eternal life and receive salvation said in very different ways. And the reason God, Jesus, comes to this woman and offers her living water is because of what she is trusting. She says to Jesus, she says these words. As they're talking, she says, well, well we have this well. She said, are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us this well. And the well at which they were sitting was the well that was, was owned and run by Jacob. Now, if you don't know who Jacob is, he's a big player in Jewish history. You have Abraham, who was the father of the nation. He had a son named Isaac. Isaac had a son named Jacob. Jacob had 12 sons that became the 12 tribes of Israel. One of them was Joseph. He had the pretty coat of many colors. Maybe you know the story, right? And so Jacob, this was his well, And the woman's saying, you know what, Jesus, no matter how bad I am, no matter how outside I am, no matter how wrong my life is, at least I have the well. I have Jacob's well. I can come and draw water out of this well. So no matter how bad life gets, no matter how outside it seems, no matter how much the Jewish people hate us, we have the well. And it's not just that we have the well. In the next verse, she says, our fathers worshiped on this mountain. But you say that in Jerusalem is the place people ought to worship. 
The Jews in Jerusalem had their temple and their mountain where they worshipped. The Samaritans also had a mountain named Mount Gerizim where they held worship. And she said, at very least, my life is awful and I'm outside of everything. I have Jacob's well and I have the mountain. And Jesus says, if you think Jacob's well is ever going to satisfy your soul, you need to think again. This woman was trusting her affiliation to bring salvation. She was trusting her affiliation with Jesus' well, with Jacob's well, and with this mountain, Mount Gerizim, to bring her about her salvation. It's not unlike what many of us do. Many of us, we know we're outsiders. We know we don't live the life that we should live. We know we weren't born into the right kind of family. We know that our lives don't necessarily look the way that they should. And so we know we're outsiders, but we say to ourselves, well, at least grandma went to church. At least I have her Bible and it's sitting on my shelf. At least I was confirmed. So even though, even though life, I'm an outsider, and even though life is, I was confirmed, I was baptized. It was a long time ago, but at least I did that. At least I know people that go to church. At least I, I know I'm affiliated with certain people that do certain things. At least, at least I have that picture of Jesus on the wall in our house. Tell you what you and I need to satisfy what is truly wrong with our souls. To, to fix this problem that we have of a broken relationship with God, what you and I need is something far beyond just affiliation with religious artifacts and items. Something far beyond an affiliation with a certain kind of church or a piece of paper that says we were baptized or confirmed. What we need is to trust not in affiliation. What you and I need is we need revelation in our life. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah who is called the Christ is coming. And when he comes, he would tell us all things. And Jesus looks at her and these are the last words he says to her. I who speak to you am he. And that changes everything in the woman's life. She leaves her bucket behind, the text will tell us. She goes back into the community that she avoids. She goes back into her community of the other Samaritans, and she begins to tell them about this man who she met at the well who told her all things. And do you know what happened? This woman, who was the wrong gender and the wrong ethnicity and immoral, goes and becomes the very first evangelist in the gospel, giving her testimony and bringing people back to Christ and saying, you need to hear what he has to say. And the other people hear what Jesus has to say, and they also believe. Because she had moved from just being affiliated with religious things to understanding the revelation of who Jesus actually is. And you in your life, some of you in this room right now, are trusting that somehow, even though life is a bit messy, because you have these certain affiliations, you attend church, or you read a book, or you have a book, or you have a picture, or you have something that was your grandmother's or your grandfather's that is religious and significant, because you have those affiliations, that somehow that's going to fix the greatest need in your life, but nothing is going to satisfy your soul or fix that need the way the revelation of understanding who Jesus Christ is as the Son of God and the Savior of the world will do. That's what you need. And that is our opportunity. I'm going to invite our worship team back as we close this morning. 
and invite you, if you would, just to bow your head and close your eyes and think about this with me for a moment. Some of you, I asked the question, when's the last time you felt like an outsider and in your mind you said, the second I walked into this room this morning? You walked into this place and you already felt like an outsider. All these super religious people, and that's just not you. tell you, Jesus doesn't really care where you come from or what life has thrown at you. The very base of it, you have the exact same need that all of us have, that I have, and anyone else has, and that is the need for a Savior. And you have the same exact opportunity because Jesus comes to you. He came down to this earth. He lived a perfect life. He died on the cross. He rose again. He offers you his love. He offers you his forgiveness. He offers you his spirit to dwell inside of you. And it doesn't matter where you come from or what you've been through. Jesus is in the business of going to the outsider and welcoming them in. Maybe today would be the morning. Today would be the day that for the first time you would receive that invitation and that you would take advantage of that opportunity. That you would begin to understand the true revelation that Jesus isn't just a nice guy who came down to tell us to be nice to other people, but that he is the son of God who came down to live and die and be raised again that we might have life and have it to the full. That he is savior of the world. If that's you this morning, I'd invite you just in your own heart, in your own mind to tell God that you are sorry for the things that you have done, that you are sorry for your sin, and that your desire is to follow and to serve him. For those of us sitting in the room who received this revelation long time ago, may this be a reminder to us, not only of how far Jesus went to offer us his love, but also a reminder that there isn't a single person on the face of the earth right now. I don't care who they are or what they do or what they say or what group that they're a part of or what part of the world that they come from. There is not a single person on the face of the earth right now that Jesus Christ did not come for. There's not a single person on the face of the earth right now whose Jesus' love cannot reach and who does not deserve the opportunity to hear about their need and the chance to understand the revelation of Jesus Christ. So God, we thank you this morning. Thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for your grace, for your mercy, for your love. And God, help us to go And to demonstrate that to other people. To be willing to do what you did. To go to the outsider. To go to the one. 
who others might count out and welcome them in in your name. Thank you, Father, for sending your Son. Thank you for the grace and mercy that is offered through his death and resurrection. Would we never grow tired of hearing that message? Would we never grow tired of receiving the revelation of who you are? Give you glory and honor. In Jesus' name. Hey, thanks again for listening to the podcast from Mount Hope's Belmont location. At Mount Hope, we gather in Belmont every Sunday at 10 a.m., and in Burlington at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. Each week that we gather, we do so to learn more about God, grow in our love of Him and others, and then we go to live lives driven by faith. If you live in the Burlington or Belmont, Massachusetts areas, we'd love for you to join us on a Sunday. You can learn more about us by visiting our website at mounthope.org, M-O-U-N-T-H-O-P-E dot O-R-G, or follow us on Twitter or Instagram at MT Hope Belmont. Thanks again for joining us, and we look forward to having you listen again 